new intro very nice and we're live what's up everybody it's the cave podcast it's your boy jerezy we got kyle we got jermaine and we got a special guest with us today we got if you don't if you're in america and you do muay thai and you don't know kevin ross you must be living under a rock or you must be living in the cave this is kevin ross right here american muay thai legend welcome to the show kevin Thank thanks for coming Thank on for having me. i appreciate it so me and kyle over here big fans jermaine we we just introduced him to you showed him all your videos man um brought him up to speed but for the people that don't know who you are can you give us a brief intro on who kevin ross is <laughs> who am i <laughs> <laughs> deep question right <laughs> Uh, my name is Kevin Ross. Uh, <laughs> mostly people know me from my Muay Thai career, which uh, I fought for 20 years, I think. Um, uh, pioneer in uh, the Muay Thai scene, or I would say it's the one of the people that brought it into the, the spotlight, not, not necessarily a, a pioneer, because there's plenty of people that came before me. Um, yeah, and then uh, towards the end of my career, I, I did a little bit of kickboxing, was a Bellator world champ, uh, multiple world champ in Muay Thai as well as kickboxing. Um, yeah, that, that's most of my uh, professional career, but I'm also a author, speaker, philosopher, just a person of the earth. Yes, love that, man. And also an artist now, right? I've been... Yeah, well, I've always... Actually, an artist is something I've done since I was born basically uh-huh. uh, yeah i went to um got my degree in computer animation actually um nice. i was i was two years into my degree when i started training and i i was like man i don't do this shit no more all i want, <laughs> all I want to do is fight you know but i knew it was important for it was important for me just just on a personal level to make sure i finished i didn't graduate high school so um you know to be able to complete that and and get my degree and everything even if i was never going to use it it was, it was very important for me to do so i got my degree in computer animation and i've done a little bit of it over the years uh just a little bit of side work and stuff but mo- most of the artwork i do is more uh paintings and drawings and that type of thing but I, but i've dabbled mm-hmm. in just about everything awesome yeah is, is that something i mean i used to draw as a kid too never really i actually wanted to do something in art brought up to my parents and my parents just laughed at me so i'm like i'm filipino man so they're like expecting me to go to the nursing industry or yeah. some kind of um in that field so i end up you know not taking it seriously but it's always been a passion of mine so yeah. I, I would feel everyone who's really into art that's kind of something that they keep doing on the side despite whatever they're doing so is yeah. graphic designing and and um exercising your create creative side other than fighting something that you did as you were fighting as well Oh yeah. I, I was, I learned a long time ago that I always, you always got to keep going with stuff or else you're going to lose it. I stopped, I actually stopped doing art for a long time when I was younger. I, I had failed an art class and, and I was like, this is the dumbest <laughs> shit in the world. I was like, how can you grade art? I don't really understand how you can do that. Such a subjective thing, you know? So that really, really turned me off to it. And that kind of, uh, one across the board with a lot of things, sports, school, just, just the whole mentality behind a lot of it. You know, I don't feel like we're, people are really encouraged to, 
uh, explore their art and to grow in the way they want to. You're, you're always put into these boxes. So I really got turned, turned off of art for a long time. And then when I moved to Vegas in 96, uh, one of my best friends was a really amazing artist. And I was like, damn, I need to start doing that shit again. And then mm-hmm. I started it back up again and realized how, how much I had fallen off. You know, so from that point forward, I've never let any time go where I wasn't at least doing a little bit of sketches here and there. But while I was fighting, I I pretty much only did pieces after my fights. That way I could focus on my training. Uh, I would always, you know, do little sketches and stuff just to make sure I was still being artistic. But as far as doing anything to put in any time into, I I would do those whenever I'd get done. So I'd come up with ideas or or do a job or something. Like as soon as this fight's over, I can you know, put some time into it where I'm not completely focused on this fight. And that's kind of how I maintained that throughout my career. Are you still competing? No, I retired. Uh, My retirement fight was, um, well, I guess guess two years now is not last June, but the one before Gabriel. No, it was, um, um, shit. (laughs) Fucking name. (laughs) Sorry. I'm totally, I don't even remember his name right now. Uh, no, it was, it was a Muay Thai fight, uh, with, uh, um, well, it was a co-promotion with triumphant and, uh, those other guys. It was in Florida. That's awesome. I remember seeing Ace of of That's who it was. I saw an interview where you, I forgot what it was. I think it was, it was one of those monster interviews where um, you said you don't even, you know, scope out your opponents beforehand. You kind of just go in there and, and do your yeah. thing, man. <laughs> yeah. I never, I never did. I mean, when I was coming up, that wasn't even an option, you know, it's not That's so badass. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like you could go watch videos of people. Right when I was coming up. So it was, it was not, it was not ever a thing that I did. And then as, as the world progressed and uh, social media and stuff started going up, but I always found it to be counterproductive just for me personally, because one, I find you, you focus so much on what you think is how it's going to be, Mm. what they're good at, what they're bad at, Uh, you know, and anybody that knows when you get in there, it's, completely different so what i would i would typically do if if i was able to see anything on them is i might watch a little clip you know five minute video but i'd kind of leave all that to the people that i trained with my coaches my sparring partners that way they could emulate whatever that person does well and the other factor too particularly in muay thai is you know these things change so quickly you you get ready for one person and then at the last minute you'd be fighting somebody completely different. So I think that mentality is prevalent in the, in the Muay Thai world. You're, you're just always ready to fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. For sure. You know, and if you can get a little insight, then I think it, I don't know. I, I've never found any benefit from it, but that's just me personally. I, I know it's very helpful for a lot of people. Like they, they really study their opponent. The only person I ever studied was Sanchai. <laughs> yeah. That was oh, like, yeah. I got to do everything I can to, get 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 this him into my head everything that he does i just constantly watched videos of him fighting what i typically is juice i just watch fights all the time uh, of Mm -hmm. everything or i'll find maybe a certain style that i kind of want to incorporate into the way that i'm fighting whether it's uh, a 
certain style of boxing, certain style of kicking, um, someone that I can kind of like, I want to feel that when I'm in there, you know, if I want to, if I want to focus a little bit more on kicking, like, all right, I'm going to watch a bunch of Bukows, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. just so I think about kicking all the time, you know, that was kind of my uh, approach towards studying fights and that kind of thing. So I know you, you came up after the golden age of, of Muay Thai, um, and I remember you saying that, you know, you were just picking up fights whenever, wherever, um, yeah. what, what was, what was that like, you know, having to, you know, cut weight short notice, you know, every week, every other week. I know, I know they do that in Thailand, you know, that's yeah. like their way of life. Well, for, I mean, fortunately for me, most of the time it was given up weight. So I didn't really have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was always fighting people heavier than me. I, I, rarely almost never fought people at my weight or below it i was always i was always going up so that was never a factor but it was also that was just our mentality back then you're just always ready it doesn't matter who it is doesn't matter how big they are how small they are how much more experience they have you're just ready to fight and when when we were coming up that was just that was just the way that it was across the board so it wasn't it didn't seem abnormal to me that was just expected you know it was very much that Thai mentality well i came up under Thai, so that that certainly helped but it was also just kind of the way the way that things were you know nobody knew what this sport was in this country there wasn't any fights so it was all just like the wild wild west back then everyone just traveling around showing up at gym showing up at fights we're like you want to fight you want to fight you want to fight and it doesn't matter who it is that was kind of just how we did you know they tried to match you up as close as they could but you didn't have any idea who these people were how many fights they really had what the weights were i mean we rarely even i don't think we even weighed in back then we just (laughs) they just were like you two go (laughs) yeah Yeah, and it was fun you know and it really it really developed a, a good mindset when it comes to fighting because i feel nowadays everyone wants everything to be so perfect and Yes. You know, the weight's got to be right. And the time I need, I need 12 weeks to get ready for this. And like, mm-hmm. I, it's just madness to me. You know, it's like, if you try to have that mentality, you're never going to have any fights. And when you're talking about Muay Thai, where it's already difficult enough to have fights, the biggest thing is getting experience. And if you can't get experience and you're not going to be good. So don't, you can't be so fixated on wins and losses and how good you're going to look and, you know, how, how this fight's going to turn out. It's all about just getting that experience. Everything is, you're going to school. You go, you're always going to school. You need to go to school and you need to get as much education as you can. The only way to get really educated is in the ring because everything you do in the gym can't compare to what it's like in the ring. There's people that train their entire life for 20 years. They have no idea what it's like when you actually are in the ring and someone is trying to end you. It's, mm-hmm. it's day different there's nothing that can come close to that and that's the only place that you can really get that high level of education is in the ring so the more that you can do it the better you know i tell everybody everybody that's coming up fight as much as humanly possible it doesn't matter what it is muay thai kickboxing be karate it could be a point sparring competition that Mm -hmm. just that act of getting in that competitive zone will be so 
beneficial when it comes to your actual fights. And, and that's the only place you can really get that. And, and even if it's just going and sparring with another gym that you don't, that you aren't comfortable with, because we get so comfortable with the people that we spar with that one, we, we only work playful, right? Yeah. And we only, we only do what we're good at. Typically mm-hmm. we know what our partners are, are good at. So we know what to watch out for. So you're, you're typically not working on stuff that you're not good at you know, and really developing your arsenal in your game. And, and that's really where play sparring can be very beneficial because you're not trying to go hard and you're not worried about getting hurt and you can really practice a lot of stuff, but most people don't even do that. Yeah. It's one of those, Hey, let's go light. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's hard not to, you know, yeah. it's, just, it's just human nature once you start it, and it's fun too. <laughs> those are the most like fun like, sparring sessions too, right? Yeah, I mean, that's all we used to do was just beat the shit out of each other. And I mean, fortunately, we had really good training as well. But it was every pretty much every single day we just were going at it. Did Master Toddy like um, encourage you to to fight as much as often? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, All all the ties did. Um, You know, they they understand that 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 aspect of the game. I mean, the ties more than anybody know how important uh, experience is. I mean, you look at uh, boxing and think about like how many fights those guys have before they ever mm-hmm. go pro. You know, we're talking about hundreds. And, and we think we're going to have a handful of amateur fights and then be able to make it to the top and, and maintain at the top. And, and that's very rarely ever happened. And you see that, unfortunately, a lot in uh, the MMA world. People come and go very quickly because they don't have that experience. Anyone can make it to the top quickly just with, uh, you know, your strength, your size, whatever the case may be. But but inevitably, you, you have to be able to maintain that. And the only way to maintain that was with with experience and with skill uh, and, with, and with knowledge. So I wanted to kind of rewind a little bit for the people that don't know kevin you kind of started late compared to the average tie fighter um tie fighters what start fighting at like six eight. <laughs> yeah very very early very early on they, and by they and by then like in their teens they've had like what like maybe 50 plus amateur fights under their belt right oh even into the hundreds for yeah sure. so do you think um at the start of your career you felt like you were having to catch up to that class of uh, fighters or yeah. was it more of a, like, just kind of, you know, I'm new. So let me kind of get loose and figure out my own identity in the sport. No, man. I, I one, I knew how late I started. I didn't start till I was 23. So obviously mm-hmm. I knew I was way far behind in the game just from an age perspective. And then when you're talking about this co- coming from this country and mm-hmm. how, how hard it is to gain experience and how far behind we are the rest of the world, let alone Thailand, but the rest of the world, we are, we are the babies in the, uh, in the Muay Thai scene. Every other country is all over there together. They're all right near each other. So it's very easy for them to travel back and forth and to get fights. And we're over here isolated pretty much by ourselves. So all those things were very, motivational for me. One, as I said, I didn't start till I was 23. I knew how much of my life I had pretty much wasted because I learned about Muay Thai when I was 16 years old. And I didn't Mm. start almost for a decade because of pissing my life away and partying and drinking. And I've always viewed everything from when I turned my life around at 23 
as extra credit as you're not supposed to be here anyway. So all of my fears and doubts and all those aspects that typically hinder us, it's not that I don't have them. It's just like, for me, it's so what if you have them, it, are you going to go forward? Or are you going to, are you going to not that that's all the, um, the debate is in my mind where a lot of people, they're like, ah, oh, you know, they, they sit there and dwell on it and these aspects. I'm like, it's very simple. You're either going left or you're going right. And I'm always going to go right because I knew, I know where left goes. So mm. for myself, it was, it really took a lot of the doubt, maybe not necessarily doubt, but a lot of the debate in my mind over things like, are, are you going to do this? Yeah, I'm going to do it. Here's this fight. Are you going to take it? Yeah. Who cares how, much experience this person has who cares how much weight they have on you who cares about all those aspects that in excuses that we have not to do something that's just gone in my mind mm-hmm. it's not even it's not even a, a factor i love that because it's almost like that philosophy of like let's burn the boats you know yeah let's let's just whatever happens happens we're not turning back and for, sure. for just thinking about your situation i mean starting late um, right. Uh, when you started Muay Thai really wasn't, I wouldn't say really mainstream because right now it's not too mainstream, but <laughs> definitely. It's, yeah, it's still not mainstream. I mean, people didn't even know what it, they right. didn't even know what it was. If, if you oh. told people that you did Muay Thai, they had no idea <laughs> what it was. You had to tell people you did kickboxing. It was like, <laughs> it's like kickboxing, which just, you know, for Muay Thai people, it's like heartbreaking. Cause you're like, well, it's not at all. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So most of the time, when whenever people would say, "Is that like kickboxing, karate?" I'd just be like, "Yeah, <laughs> it's the same." Sure. <laughs> so I don't, I don't feel like explaining it, the whole situation. But yeah, it was as I said, this is before social media and YouTube. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, you couldn't see this anywhere. You would have like we had, we used to have to go down to the, um, uh, the the Thai market and get these VHS tapes <laughs> from like a month ago, Lumpini fights from a month ago. You know, right. that was the only way to even watch fights. You couldn't, you couldn't just go online and be like, Oh, I want to watch this guy. Bam. There it is. You know? So it was, it was very uh, difficult in that regard. And it was such a unknown thing. You know, there wasn't a lot of resources for us either. There you couldn't just be like, Oh, I, I want to go learn how to do this. Oh, there's that guy. I can go watch this guy kick. Like you can't, you couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also being, like an American going into a Thai sport, which is dominated by non-Americans. Cause like we said, you had to, you had to be in the know to actually know what Muay Thai was. Yeah. There were so many hurdles in front of you. And I feel like your mentality of handling where, you know, you, yeah, you had that doubt, but you were going to face it regardless. It's one of those things where you go into a fight nervous, but sometimes that those nerves can help you because it keeps you in that like alert mode. Right. Yeah. Um, sure. So I feel like, that's that's a tool and i feel like a lot of people can can get a lot out of how to how to face challenges that way i mean some people will be facing your situation another person could be overwhelmed and just give up after maybe like one loss you know what i mean yeah but you just took it you just took it as hey if if i lost to this i lost to this you know that i lost to a um a formidable foe you know what i mean Yeah, I love that. And, and as I said, I had spent so much of my life in that mentality, that other mm-hmm. mentality, that I knew, I knew what that was. I knew what it felt like. I knew 
to my core that all those things were just bullshit excuses that we give ourselves because of fear. Fear is the driving factor behind everything. And most people, including myself, let it overwhelm them. They let it destroy them. And it's like you end up in a worse position than you would have been if you would have went after it and failed. Right. And, and by finally accepting that, accepting the fact that I was the one doing that and that I did have a choice and I did have control. I might not be able to choose or, or change where I get to, but I do have a choice whether I stay put. And, and that mindset and mentality, having that from the very beginning was extremely beneficial. And then I, I, I actually did, once I started, you know, I was, I was, I was just killing it. You know, I was, people thought mm -hmm. I'd been doing this for years, even after just a few months. But That's then I true. had my first fight nine months in and in my head, I was like, Oh, I've been just crushing it. You know, it's like, as soon as I turned that mentality around and started going towards those things, I was afraid of like the world opened up to me and I ignorantly thought, Oh, this is just going to be, this is just going to be easy. You know, uh -huh. we're just going to, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to knock this dude out and I'm just going right. to like skyrocket to the top. And then, then I went up there and just got annihilated and I didn't even make it out of the first round and all of those doubts and all those fears and all those feelings just came crushing back down on top of me. I'm like, fuck man. I was like, maybe, maybe I was wrong. Maybe, maybe I can't do this. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm too weak. Maybe I'm too old. Mm -hmm. And again, it was, you got a choice. You still have a choice. Even if all those things are true, you still have a choice. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And that was always the question in my mind. Not, not what are these factors? What are you going to do about it? And for me, it was, I'm not fucking quitting. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to get back in there. I'm going to train my ass off. I might not be able to be the best in the world. I might not even be able to be the best in this gym, but I'm never going to know how good I can be unless I refuse to give up and keep moving forward. And the only way I'm going to find that out is if I go that way. Mm. And once I click that in my head and it was a continual thing, you know, that those doubts come in and then it's like, you got to make that choice. So it's not just one day you wake up and all of a sudden you're mentally and physically strong. Right. It's, it's a process like everything else, like gaining strength you, as soon as you stop, you get weaker. So as soon mm -hmm. as you stop making those choices, every single day we have these choices, every single moment we have these choices, it's either weakness or strength. And it's either left or it's right. There is no in between. There's never an in between because, because right. nothing, not, doing nothing is a choice. <clears throat> and we, we often rationalize that we're not making a choice, but when you not making a choice is a choice. And that is a and you're going in the other right. direction. So, and that that process translates to life, absolutely oh, yeah. right. Can For you sure. can you tell us about that fight against Tetsuyo Yamato? Because that was <laughs> freaking brutal, dude. You were bleeding all over the place, bro. Yeah, that was crazy, dude. But you were walking like you do. You weren't bleeding all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you your yeah, pressure. Fight, yeah. Yeah, fortunately, it's a badass pitcher, man. <laughs> that was just my style, you know. That's kind of the way. That's the way I always fought, you know. Whether it was that kind of situation or not, you know, it was. I'm always, I've always been that I'm going forward, and there's nothing you can do to stop me from going forward <laughs> until it's over or until I'm dead. Um, so yeah, that having that wealth of experience doing that already. Um, you know, for me, that was just like nothing like this isn't it's not a choice in my mind. I'm going to keep going. Um, but, yeah, he uh, he caught me with that uh, 
that body kick and it fucking man that was the worst <laughs> shit ever and it just completely shut my body down but i was you know i was like i'm not it's still it's still a choice whether you think it is or not mm-hmm. and to go down or to not go down a lot of times it is and i re- always remember uh i watched this interview with um uh george foreman and he talked about that he got the first time he got knocked out he afterwards he realized that there's something in our minds that give us that option to go down and that's something you develop through through your training and through your life that resilience and refusal to quit it there's these little moments throughout it's like everything is training whether it's in the gym whether it's outside the gym whether it's your relationships your conversations and it's those moments and those things I was talking about. We always have these choices to make. I'm either going to uh, uh, go towards my stronger self or my weaker self. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's always been something that those those moments that we want to give up and quit. It's like each time you don't give up and quit, you're going to make yourself stronger. You're making yourself better. Um, and, yeah, I, it's like you've, you see it so many times when you people kind of give up a little bit as, as they're losing, you know, you see that mentality and you see that emotion and you see them kind of concede to the fact that they're going to lose. Um, and so I've, I've always realized that's, that's part of that game. And I think that's really helped me really helped me throughout my career is just knowing that if you just refuse to go down, if you refuse to give up, give up and keep moving forward, miracles can happen. Amazing things mm-hmm. can happen. So Shit, I, I feel like I've won so many. The majority of my really difficult fights against really higher level people was just my mentality about it. I mean, obviously, my my uh, the shape I was in and um, you know the work that I put in, but all that boils down to your mentality. Because if you don't have it there, you can't have it externally. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that fight with him when he caught me with that, I was just like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and it, it's happened so many times before too. You know, just like. A, a body shot or a cut or anytime there's an injury, like part of me is like, ah, oh, fuck. But then at the other, the other side of me is like, all right, let's fucking go. Yeah. But I, I feel like I would do a lot better if that would just happen to me in the back. And then I can just go out there and, and start fighting the way that I, because that's the, just the way that if I, once you turn that switch, because prior to that, you're still trying to fight intelligently. You know, mm-hmm. obviously you don't want to just go in there and fight every time mindlessly and just, you know, fighting for your life mm-hmm. but there's there's that balance there which is tricky i think seem like a very no go ahead bro my bad i think what people don't see though is like when they watch a fight it's like okay they they only see that battle but what they don't realize there's two battles going on within the fighter right. the one in the mind and one in the ring so like you said it's a it's that constant um reminder to keep going forward that mental toughness you got to keep going mm-hmm. and on top of that focusing on the opponent in front of you so <laughs> I, I feel like that's a, that's a very difficult task to take and i think people don't appreciate to see that that's yeah. the other battle that fighters go through and that's i feel like that's tough to like how do you focus on your match and then also focus on you know staying tough mentally to keep going forward like you said a lot of your fights you've you've accomplished mm-hmm. by just battling that mindset yeah, well, I mean, as I said, the the big factor in that is just like your training in the gym. That is mm. your mindset and your mentality while you're training. Most people, unfortunately, they they think they're going to play it safe and take it easy 
when it comes to their training and then all of a sudden they're going to go out there and just turn it on mm-hmm. you know it's it's just not going to fucking happen if you're if you're holding back a little bit on those sprints or those times you should really be pushing or those days you don't want to get up and get out of bed like, well you know i don't have to get out of bed today i can i can go a little bit later all those things are going to make you that much weaker that much weaker that much weaker and it seems insignificant at the time until those moments when you need to be at your very, very best and you're just not going to have it. And you can, I mean, you see it, you see people in the gym. It's obvious who, who kind of has that and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. My old trainer used to say something great. He's like, you have to, you have to train at a hundred percent to be 70% in the ring. You're never going to be a hundred percent in the ring. So right. you think you're going to train 70% and then be a hundred percent in the ring. It's never going to happen ever. Right. So, doesn't add unless up. you're willing to i mean I, I always view everything like in in that life and death context like am i mm-hmm. gonna am i gonna get up and ding with jim yeah there's not a debate of course i am there, it's not a question mm-hmm. it's almost like uh, it's almost like that um it reminds me of i heard this saying there's two wolves inside of you there's yeah. like the weak wolf or in the the strong wolf and it's it's which one you feed that that feed, grows that's and, everything you know what I mean? That's, so, every, that's everything in life, everything in the ring, everything in our relationships, our health, our mentality. Every aspect of our life is those that polarity. Right. We mm-hmm. always have decisions to make. And it, unfortunately, we don't realize it's the seemingly right. insignificant small ones that really inevitably lead to that greater strength. And it's it's not the obvious thing. It, it's mm-hmm. the ones you don't you don't think matter that matter the most. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it reminds me of that quote that um, I, I read a few days ago. It's everyone's on a path. Even if you're playing video games and not doing anything, you're on a path. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So like, like yeah, you said, that, that, sp- that split decision of um, you got hit with that body kick. Fuck it. I'm going to get up like that. <laughs> that little thing goes a long way. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like you, you can't you got to take it's almost like you got to take the future out of it. It's like right now, can right. you, can you get through this moment, this second right now? Okay. And then the next one and the next one and the next one too, too often we're thinking about, oh, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to get there anyway. Just like I was saying about, you know, when I first started that, that was my excuse. Like, I'm not going to make it anyway. Well, what the fuck does that even mean? You're not mm-hmm. going to make it. Who, who says what that is? <laughs> you know, it's like, but am I going to be better than I was right now? Yes. So, Get your fucking ass up and go go to work. And that, uh, you know, once you incorporate that into your life, it really changes every aspect of it because everything everything translates and, and crosses all, all these barriers, you know, wh- whether it's fighting, whether it's training, whether it's just getting up and going to work or going to school. It's all mm-hmm. the same mentality. And if you can do it in one thing, you can do it in everything. Um, there's a... Uh, a great book. It's called the art of learning. And it, it talks about that, how, if you know how to do, if you know how to get good at one thing, you know how to get good at anything you put your mind to, because you understand that process is the same across Mm -hmm. every avenue of life. I don't, I don't care what it is. It's everything. You know, know, that's, what's great about, I read a lot of, um, uh, a lot about people's lives, their biographies and stuff. and, And that's the one prevalent factor in anyone that's ever done anything in life they, they refused to give up they kept working hard they they turned every single loss and failure into a learning experience 
and that's it. That's the only thing that differentiates the successful people and the unsuccessful people. It's like those excuses that we give ourselves. I'm going to use this to get better or I'm going to let this make me worse. And, and it's, it's, it's really that simple. It's not easy, but it's that simple. It makes me think too, because I read this book called Mastery of Self-Love. And a lot of that self-doubt, um, that um, lower self-voice comes from you know, your upbringing and your conditioning yeah. from, from the uh, verbal abuse that you've subconsciously gone through growing up. And I feel like that voice inside of you that's like, fuck it, I'm going to go do it, is your genuine inner voice, you know? Yeah. And a lot, a lot of times that's not magnified because, I mean, in our environment, plus it's social media, everything's magnified. That's all you're hearing, you know? Yeah. Uh, fake feedback, criticism that really won't do you any good. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's it's hard. And I feel like that it's weird because that mentality that you have, it's almost considered old school. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's I mean, it definitely is. There's, uh, there's a lot of really great things, old school things yeah. know, like that. Unfortunately, the way that the world is, is like, we want to chuck out the whole thing just because there's, there's bad aspects of it. You know, mm-hmm. obviously there's bad, really bad aspects about the past, but um, there's a lot of really good ones and we just get rid of the whole, the whole spectrum right. there. You know, we lose, we lose the, the, so much learning and so much growth. It's like when we look at our past, most of us are stuck, so stuck in the past that we don't realize we can use that as fuel. There's so much benefit that we can take from these really bad times. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take them, you're making, you're making it twice as bad. You're, so you had the bad thing. Now you're making it twice as bad by not growing from it. And mm-hmm. you're, it, you're actually go, typically going in the other direction. And that's and that's on you. That ain't on on anybody else. So we can't change the stuff that happened, whether it was our fault or not. But it is on us whether we do something with it. And most people won't because they feel, oh, well, this happened to me. Yeah, it did. But where are you at right now? You can move forward and you choose not to because you're too stuck in the past. And and I was one of those people. So I understand that. And I know how hard it is to, to get out of that mentality and that mindset. And it's so prevalent in this world and it's so promoted in this world too mm-hmm. unfortunately we're going in the wrong direction <laughs> with that kind of thing so that i mean that's also what's been very encouraging and uh, motivational for me to be outspoken uh, throughout my career and and mm-hmm. all the things that i've done because i understood that i understood how shitty it is not having someone to look to as like hey this person did it before. Maybe I can do it too. I mean, just just that knowledge that somebody else did it, and and that can that changes everything. It's like when the guy broke the uh, what is it the four minute mile, and that used to be right. like, oh man, this ain't gonna ha-. like it physically cannot happen. Now it's you have to do this or else you can't compete in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's now it's the standard because one person said, I'm gonna fucking do it. Mm-hmm. And the only and the only re- the reason they got there is because other people are like, I'm going to do it. And then it gets closer and closer and closer. So you might not even be the person to do it, but you're going to get it closer. Mm-hmm. And that was a that was a really driving force for me throughout my career is I'm I was like, I, I might not never see where this will lead to. I don't think Muay Thai is ever going to get to this place like boxing or MMA is, but I'm going to get it closer. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need to see. I don't need to get the benefit or whatever that is, you know, financial benefit or whatever else it may be. 
I'm going to help it move. We're all, we're all helping these things move along. And whether it's the person in the spotlight or, or, or behind the scenes, everyone, everyone's playing their part. Right. And, and the more that we can all do that collectively, the better things are going to be f- for everyone. So it's like that saying that a uh, fear has killed more dreams than failure ever has. Um, yeah. And I think, like you said, it's all about showing up on those days when you don't feel like being there. And that's when you have that opportunity to be great. And um, there's another saying I like to that I like to remind myself is that you're ready to be your greatest when you have nothing left to fear, because yeah. fear is often self-projected. It's something you created from your past experiences. No one placed that in your head but you. And maybe the fear was placed by traumatic experiences from people you've um, dealt with. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I think a lot a lot of times nowadays you see people kind of staying complacent and st- putting themselves in that hamster wheel because they don't want to get off. They think this is their life now and this they're trying to accept something that they shouldn't. And it's all about um, accept what you can't change and change what you can't accept. And a lot of people yeah. nowadays, I feel like are very complacent. They don't, they have too much fear. And often you see these people finally, when they cross that bridge of fear and they're just like, it wasn't that bad and they <laughs> do great things, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, think, there, there's that, um, was it, fear is false evidence appearing real (laughs) exactly and i mean anybody who's done like who's gone against fear and done it usually the worst and scariest part about that was the preconceived fear that you had before going out and doing it right (laughs) no matter what it's never ever (laughs) as bad as you think it is (laughs) yeah exactly i mean Uh, riffing on that fear um you know, based on your stories, you're definitely a spiritual person. This is kind of metaphysical, but oh yeah, the soul assassin. We forgot yeah, to mention bro. that. Yeah, come on a, now. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of your stories are are very like metaphysical, spiritual. Do you believe? You know, you mentioned. Um, you know, you know, pressure fighting is is very dangerous. You know, you're injury prone. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think fear and pain are an illusion? Hmm. Well, I mean, if you want to get philosophical about it, like, <laughs> everything everything is technically an illusion. It's just the matrix. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Every everything everything is uh, everything is tip, yeah, kind of an illusion like that. And you can definitely put it into that context because so much of our lives is or what we feel or what we think or what we see is, is not really what it is. It's just what we, we think it is. And we, we project these things onto situations, onto events, even if it's our past, you know, it's like there, there, there's this, uh, I was listening to this really good uh, talk the other day. And he was talking about how the past and the future don't exist because the only thing that exists is right now. And it's just our memory of it or our projection of what it's going to be. We think we know what our past is, but was it really that, or was that just our perception of it? You know, if you ask Mm -hmm. somebody else what happened and then, you know, emotion comes into play and uh, memory comes into play and you could remember something and it'd be so traumatic to you. But if you actually went back and relived it now, is that really how it was or, or not? I and mean, there's no right. way to ever really know that, but so much of, so much of our lives and so much of what we call consider reality isn't really a tangible thing. It's just our perception and our thoughts beyond it and our emotions um, about it. And 
that was something that really kind of clicked over in my brain. And I realized how much, how much of this world we think is like this solid, mm. this solid thing. And it's really just fizz and floating around <laughs> and nothing's really, really what it, you think that it is. And mm-hmm. we, we put so much uh, emphasis on what we consider reality, but even like what it, what is that? And uh, you know, that's something I've really, I think my, really my whole life is I've had a much broader perspective of life and reality and what, what everything is. And I think too far too often we, we put everything into this, into these boxes and give it these barriers and these definitions. And, uh, you know, it, well, it, it's easier, <laughs> it's easier to, it's easier to group people up and, and say, you're this and you're that, and I'm this and I'm that. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's really just not what it is when you get down to it. Um, and I think that's something that's really limiting our, our growth uh, as human beings and really what's going to enslave us all in the, in the end, unfortunately. I think it's also, I mean, like, let's say you're bleeding and you're fighting and you're cut up. I always, I always bring it back to animals. I mean, you've seen a zebra fucked up with his guts hanging out trotting around still living you know what i mean living its life until it eventually dies i think you nailed it right on the head um we emphasize we put too much emphasis on certain things so like let's say you're in a fight and you have a cut like address it i'm cut keep going right like what's the worst that could happen someone can put too much emphasis on it like oh i'm bleeding oh i'm losing so much blood the judges are seeing this you know what i mean like then you you make that like you going back you make that choice and it chain reacts into that that kind of effect instead of just addressing it and making the choice to keep going yeah i think in this reality right we put too much emphasis it's uh uh is it paralysis by analysis yeah I feel like there's too much of that going on, but yeah, keep going. I, I cut you off. Yeah. I was just going to say that I, w- I always use those events as, as a challenge in my mind. Like, are you going to quit? Are you going to give up? Like, fuck. Nope. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anytime, you know, that's why you see people would always see me smiling when I'd be cut. Cause I'm just like, I know <laughs> that I'm not going to fucking quit. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking way. And that makes me smile because I know you want me to quit and I'll never quit. And, you know, it's like I kind of viewed all those things, losses and injuries and everything like that as a question. It's a question. Are you going to give up? No, I'm going forward. That's it. And you, once you simplify it, it makes it it makes it manageable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it easier. It makes it manageable because once you uh, dissect that whole piece of uh, even the thought of giving up, it's like, mm-hmm. all I have is everything over here, which is progress. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm going somewhere in this spectrum, but I'm, that is just gone from my, uh, my perspective. It's just not in there anymore. It's never even uh, a question in my mm-hmm. mind. Would you say that when you're in that moment where like you're cut up and does that turn on an internal switch for you to say, yeah, okay, we're here. I'm yeah, man. Are you stuff. are you more dangerous when you get hurt? Like, oh yeah, you get it's, a really, <laughs> it's a really, it's unfortunately, it's a really beautiful thing, and yeah, it's a really beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, but I would say that about anything about crossing that barrier of of fear and doubt and a uh, pain, whatever, loss, whatever. Once you 
make that decision, you cross over. It's like you tap into this thing that mm-hmm. most people will never experience. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you are operating on a different plane of than most of humanity. You're, you're, you've tapped into this thing and you're so, you're also so present that, and that's what I always loved about fighting is mm-hmm. you're never more alive and more present than you can be in that moment when just everything, every thought gets turned off. You're not, you're not conscious anymore. Everything is subconscious. And it's, it's really, it's really an amazing thing to experience mm-hmm. unfortunately it really happens when you get injured but you know, just when you there's, get there's a cost zone, yeah yeah when you get in that zone it doesn't have to be pain but that one that one gets you there quick quickly because uh, you, you don't have a choice anymore where, where other times you kind of have to get yourself there uh, mm-hmm. just like um, fighting people that you know it's like i, I have no business being in here with this person like when i was fighting sanchire at 90 percent of my career it turned that 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 debate and that almost that human element off. It's like mm-hmm. you can't, I can't operate here because I'm gonna get killed. I have to completely check <laughs> out, and just be in the zone. I have to be in the moment, and you have to be present. And very rarely are we ever living in the present. And it's, right. it's a really great thing anytime you can do that. Man, so the Sanchai fight. Were you a fan of his before? Of course. How could you not be a fan of Sanchai? If you're you're any kind of fighter, you're a fan of Sanchai. I mean, there's those asshole fighters that are, you know, I'm better than everyone. I want to fuck them up type type of thing. Uh, I've seen I've seen those seminars where like these random yeah, kids right? are trying they, to spar hard with them throwing elbows at Sanchai like, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, first off, I think you got to be out of your fucking mind. <laughs> well, on both ends, though, you got to be out of your mind to try to like fuck Sanchai up in a sparring session. But I also think they're out of their minds for sparring with these people. The, the risk of injuries, <laughs> like for what, why are you doing this? Why would you risk <laughs> some dipshit? <laughs> Cartwheel kick to the face. I'm man. like, fuck man. You gotta be, I, the first seminar I ever did, I, I did spar with everyone and never again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, never, ever. I'll never do that again. It yeah. was so dumb. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would say one, obviously people got egos problems. And then two, you know, when you're in there with someone like that, when you're thinking like, this guy's so good mm-hmm. and, and so much better than me that I have to elevate my game. And because of that, you're going to, that just aggression and wanting to go harder and maybe not even realizing that you are doing that. So I don't want to just say like everyone that does is like, Oh, my fuck Sanchai up. Clearly there are people that you can see, you can see as soon as they start there, you got an mm-hmm. ego problem there, but mm-hmm. I think that will just come out naturally. So part, I partially blame <laughs> Sanchai and the ties because like, well, yeah, <laughs> you think they're just going to be calm and relaxed. <laughs> How? Everybody's watching. They're in there with one of the greatest of all time, and you just you got a target them, on your back, kind of. You want them to just play and have fun. <laughs> yeah, there's that's the difference between American Muay Thai now and the mainstream and and the ties. I I noticed that um, the ties are just playful when they spar. Mm-hmm. They're very playful, but here in America, people are trying to take heads off, man. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and well, that all comes from um, a big a big factor in that is because they do fight so often so they can't risk injury mm. when they spar um, right whereas here if you're only fighting a couple times a year if that you have to get that 
fight mentality and that aggression and you have to feel that. So you kind of have to do it. It's just finding a balance there. So, I mean, most people, it's like, it's like one or the other, you know, they're, and they're just like going like that all the time where like for myself, I would save that for, you know, every now and again, I'm like, all right, I need, I need some good hard sparring to make sure that I'm kind of holding that line and then go back to middle of the road, technical sparring, uh, still, still live to a degree, but held back. So it would be more just every once in a while, but that also comes with time and experience and, and, a, and a lot of factors go into that. And that's where you talk about these guys start when they're little kids. Of course they have more, uh, it's also con- having control, you know, mm-hmm. being able to control, being able to throw something with intent yet control it, not doing damage is a very difficult thing to do. <laughs> and, and it, it's something that you have to develop over time. And, but again, we, we are not, instructed in how to do that. And that's something that I really try to convey in all of my training and, and the teaching and stuff is it's like technique and timing and distance. All those things are much more vital than just power and speed. And the more that we can uh, incorporate that into our game, uh, the better we're going to be, the safer we're going to be, uh, the more enjoyable it's going to be, the less injuries are going to happen. Um, but, but where, where you do you go to get that kind of instruction? How many people, how many trainers in this country can do that? Very few. I wanted to ask, and I know you've been in so many interviews and you probably got this a million times. Um, so how was it fighting Sanchai? Did you have to change your mentality to, all right, I can't be a fan of this guy. You know, I need, I need to actually compete. Like, how was that? And did you have to turn that switch on? Like, mid fight you know is it something like a late start type of type of situation yeah yeah that's a good question so when i signed the fight um my buddy uh brian popejoy um he is uh oh, okay boxing works in the mm-hmm. the boon, uh, and uh, yeah so mm-hmm. he he had a whole he has a this giant collection of fights you know and so he 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 lent me his in, i had like a hundred Sanchai fights. <laughs> they let me borrow. <laughs> um, and I just watched those all the time. Um, so a lot of that was seeing how other foreigners had fought him. And you see that, that mindset where they are a fan of his and they're just almost watching. It's like, I got a front row seat to Sanchai fighting. Everybody's <laughs> fighting me. And you, you kind of see, you, you see that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, I'm never going to fucking do that. So I don't care what <laughs> happens. I'm a refuse to ever be that guy. So that was a really big thing that was just, I was just drilling into my head. I'm like, I don't fucking care who this fucking guy is. <laughs> I'm going to go after him. And I also knew too, it's like, if I have any chance of beating this guy, I have to go straight at him. Mm-hmm. And I can never stop. I can't let him breathe. I can't let him move. I can't let him think. If there's ever a moment where he feels like he can play around with me, I'm, I've lost Right, and if you and if you watch that fight, he never plays around. So mm-hmm. um, you flush him, was, man. Yeah, that was that was such a a vital thing for me to do. I was like, I didn't even think about it as far as like winning or losing this fight. Like that was so far from realm mm-hmm. of just not even a thought in my head. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not thinking about this. Like, oh, I'm gonna win this fight or I'm gonna lose this fight. It's just like I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna make this the the hardest fight he's ever had in his entire life. And if, if 
I can come out of this and he feels that way, then I'm I'm going to feel victorious whether I win the fight or not. That was Putting such home. a gangster little thing for me to not be. I was like, I'm not going to let him put on a show and just be another. Oh, I got in there with Sanchai, but you know he mm-hmm. just played right. around. And like, I'm going to make him fight. He even yeah. took a kick. He tried a cartwheel kick, and you kicked yeah. him, right? <laughs> yeah. So that was that something. That, that, was, that was something that we also worked on a lot. Actually, he was like throwing that that lead side kick to his face when he d- tries to do the cartwheel kick, and I'm glad that I did it because I awesome. And it was just constantly putting in my head too. So, so much of this stuff was just just seeing it in my mind while I was training every day and just feeling it every day and continually reminding myself of like he's just a person he's you know Mm -hmm. no matter how good he is he's just another human being and that was something that really got um uh drilled into my head when i i saw him fight in thailand i was actually in thailand when um we signed the fight and he fought uh Sakadao actually who I also fought mm-hmm. and I saw Jeez, the, man. and I was close to them <clears throat> I was close up to the ring and I saw the frustration in his face and I saw uh the the exhaustion and I saw I saw the hurt I saw mm-hmm. that he was a just a he's just a human being you know he has he has doubts and fears and pain and and everything just like everything else everybody else does and as soon as that kind of switched I was like He's just he's just a person. You know, he's just another person. I'm not I'm not gonna put him up on this pedestal. Like no matter how good he is, no matter how many people he's fought, he's never fought me. Doesn't For matter. Sure. It doesn't doesn't it's not <laughs> no a fact. no worshiping. No worshiping. There, no, there's no worshiping. And we'll no shake matter hands what after. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, we'll get <laughs> after. And that was and that was something that really like just that mindset, like when we had the weigh-ins and stuff, and I saw the I saw the double take in his eyes when I wasn't what he thought I was going to be. I'm like, this is not a fucking show. Staring at the this soul assassin, big. bro. This is <laughs> not a game. Yeah. That was a, that was just a bit, that was such a big factor. And so much of that, so much of in fighting is that, that mentality and that outlook and your willingness to either give up or, or keep fighting. And, and we, so many of us lose these fights before we ever even get in there or we, mm-hmm kind of concede to a certain level like i'm gonna fight but i'm not gonna fight like i'm gonna die if i don't mm-hmm. fight my ass off and and it's hard to kind of hold that particularly if the person in front of you can't hurt you that's where i always had the most difficulty because i spent 90 percent of my career fighting people like that that i had no business in the ring with and then all of a sudden one day that just switched and it was mm-hmm. hard to it was really hard to uh maintain that mentality after after fighting people like that for so long but i really i what i realized was that's this is just just another level of development that you have to do it doesn't matter like i'd rather be fighting people like that but but i'm not so if you can't if you can't do it now then that just to me that just shows weakness like anybody can do things when it's it's like everybody can be happy when things are good but if you can't right. be happy when things are bad, then right. that's just you're just yeah. not. You're just I tell them. I tell um I tell my friends if you're able to dance in the rain, then you got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. and also for everyone listening, if you haven't seen that Sanchai fight, knowing that you guys worked on that kick off the cartwheel kick, I think he threw that once and you got once him time. right. Yeah, one time. <laughs> yeah, dude. 
That's what's up. I do want to ask. I was very happy. Did that head kick feel good, man? I thought he was out. <laughs> when I kicked him? Yeah, bro. Yeah, it felt good. The thing is, anytime <laughs> I've ever done that, that kind of when I do my own version of a cartwheel kick, I never think it's going to land. So I don't ever throw it really hard. And the <laughs> times that I've actually thrown it with some heat, I've missed. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's it surprised me that it landed, and I was like, "Oh shit!" But again, I was like, I was I was completely checked out in that fight. Yeah, I have, yeah, no, yeah. I have no memory of that fight. Really, <laughs> let me ask you, man are you are you a Mortal Kombat fan? Because I'm sure you know Shang Tsung. Is that where you got your moniker, Taking Souls, bro? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, I mean, yeah, I was uh, I was a fan of Mortal Kombat coming up, but no, that's not where I got it. Um, this actually, <laughs> that was given to me my very first professional fight, which was in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico, and I went out there. Uh, I got I took it on two weeks notice, something a couple weeks notice, and it was against the guy. It was a champion out there. He was like twenty nine and one, and he had just lost his very first time ever so they're obviously bringing me out there to lose and for him to get his confidence back and we went out there and had this this crazy crazy bloody bloody fight and i ended up knocking him out in the fourth round but it was you one of those was that no man you this guy had a crazy camp? record right that was my first fight my oh, first okay. pro fight my gotcha. first pro fight yeah and uh you know, I just fought the way that I always do, which is I just kept wa- I kept walking through everything. He split my whole fucking face open and all this shit happened. And I just kept my buddy Dorian. He said I had a like I, I had a he'd call it the zombie walk because I'd get hit and just like almost knocked out. And I'd just like start walking forward with my hands down. And um, <laughs> this guy, this one of the guys after when I was walking to the back afterwards, he told in broken English and barely English. He, he said it was like I assassinated the guy's soul, and he said, "Oh, that's bad." He's the one that gave me that nickname, so that's where I got that from. That's dope. Yeah, I love how like that stood the test of time. No one's came up with anyone similar than Soul Assassin. You know, it's kind of its own. Yeah, identity. yeah, Not and that, ass, that was just that was just my mentality going in because anytime I'd go in, I never really thought about knocking people out i i was always someone i would rather make people quit than knock them out because to me quitting is a choice getting knocked out isn't always a choice anyone can get knocked out but to to make somebody so miserable and in so much pain and just so suffocated with your pressure that they want to give up that's that's different and uh, so that was just that was always my mentality when i fought i was like i want to make you quit uh-huh. As well as the fact that I'm going to show you that I will never quit. So we got two choices to make. Uh-huh. <laughs> like you can give up, or we can just go to war. I have a question, man. So uh, I, I was watching a lot of YouTube videos back in the day, and you connected with a, a dude named Johnny Bang Riley. I know he's yeah. he's working with with Tiffany Time Bomb now, and he's got some very um, unique kind of like alternative techniques to to train like how did you how did you connect with with him because he's from the uk right yeah yeah he's from uh amsterdam um we actually never trained like our whole thing was uh more from an artistic uh philosophical kind of point we we actually never did any i mean we did we like we worked out together but we never trained um i i came across him 
long, long time ago, I, he used to do, I mean, I'm sure he still does, but he had all these uh, really cool videos, really motivational, like speaking and really artistic uh, things. And I posted one of his videos once and uh, this guy and my buddy out in uh, the East Coast was like, oh, I know that guy's Johnny Riley or whatever. He's like, you want me to put you in touch with him? I'm like, oh, yeah, it'd be cool. It's cool to connect. Um, and then we just started talking and he was like, oh, I'd love to do a, a video with you one day. Um, and then we just started collaborating and then we ended up, excuse me, I ended up flying out there to Amsterdam and we, we did that little short film together. Um, but yeah, as I said, we never, he was never like, we never trained or anything like him and Tiffany are training and yeah, he definitely has a lot of really unique training things like that. But uh, yeah, I never got into all that with it. For me and him, it was, it was much more of an artistic philosophical kind of friendship. Um, and we, we did a bunch of videos and we shot a, there's a bunch of stuff on YouTube you can check out with like a lot of behind the scenes, just us talking, mm-hmm. chopping it up or stuff. And we put, we did a book together um, that I got, it's on my website. It's called soul. Um, and it's got a bunch of our bunch of our writings individually, as well as a bunch of the transcripts from when we were speaking as we were filming and stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of how we got all linked up. It's cool. Um, I wanted to ask. We were talking about like sparring and how how important that was as a fighter because you get that real game time action and yeah. speed and reaction, right? What do you think of this new age? I, I don't spar before the fight type of mentality you know i mean max holloway started kind of got exposed in the second in the third fight you know? <laughs> well yeah like everything 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 comes with a cost that we do so like we, we were talking about earlier too often we throw out the whole thing we don't take the good mm-hmm. elements of it. it's like i'm not gonna spar hard that means i'm only gonna spar light or i'm not gonna spar at all and you know that you're, you're losing a lot of a lot of factors uh, that you need. Um, it's everything, everything in fighting, just like everything in life is, is about balance and everybody's balance is going to be different and everything. Everyone's going to take certain benefit from certain things. Uh, and you got to find what works for you. I would say 99% of the time. Yeah. You, people need to learn how to focus on their technique and timing and, uh, and movement and, and, and all that kind of stuff where mm-hmm. most of the time, yeah, people are just beating the shit out of each other and it's really counterproductive. All you're doing is learn how to be tough. Right. You know, you're not really learning how to be good and you're also not working on the stuff that you're not good at. So that's where that kind of, mm. it, it's com- it's complex. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not easy. It's not, it's not to say one or the other. It's not one or the other. It's both. You need to do both. And when people talk about it, especially when people just take stuff off of a, a, an audio clip, like, oh, I shouldn't spar because he doesn't spar. Yeah. Well, that's not fucking what he said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for, he's like, they didn't spar hard. He's like, you think he doesn't move around with people? <laughs> like, don't be fucking stupid. It's like, it's like people that think these videos of Floyd Mayweather training is like how he trains. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Come on, man. Just hitting like, pads, looking at the camera. Oh, <laughs> You know, people people take too many things at face value in this day and age with it, social media and everything. It's it's really unfortunate because 
it's really weakening and weakening us all mm-hmm. in, in a variety of ways because of that aspect of it. You take everything like, oh, this is what it is, this is what it isn't, this is what I got to do to get there, um, this is what I need to look like, feel like, uh, appear like, talk like. These are the friends I need to have. These are <laughs> these are the things I need to have in my bio. It's it's fucking mm-hmm. stupid and. Unfortunately, it's it's really weakening us all in the long run. It's a balance. Everything there's a balance in everything. Too hard and too light, um, too left or too right. There's you need to have both, and we never mm-hmm. talk about having both. And that's why we're constantly in this battle between left and right because the extreme side of everything is negativity. The extreme side of health is not health. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I I wish I wish we would uh, be educated more on that while we were coming up to understand that because right. we, we put everything into these boxes and we try to oversimplify everything. Like, don't do this, just do this. Like, yeah, well, what about, there's some good stuff over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then eventually it's all, only being fixated on this good thing leads to tyranny, right? you know, leads to negativity because you, you, you assume that everything that comes with it is positive and not mm-hmm. only positive, positive for you. Right. You know, at, we're, 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 we're all so unique as individuals. There's no, there's no way, there's no way to do anything, anything in this world. There, there's, we are so unique and diverse in every aspect of, of our being that you can't, you can't just tell somebody, this is what you should do. This is the right way. Go this way. Because if somebody says that they're full shit. That's what social media did to a lot of people, though. That's it's responsible for making people feel like because all social media shows the success. It never really mm-hmm. shows the hard work or the failure someone went through. And then now people mm-hmm. idolize these people with like millions of followers saying, oh, I could be that guy if I do what he did. But you don't know exactly what he did. Someone could look at your page and be like, oh, I could be like I could be like the soul assassin. But they don't know what you went through. And, mm-hmm. and that's the thing about social media. Like everyone's just it's like a. Everyone's so busy trying to compete on social media. They want more followers. They want more likes. They want, and that's just that's just like the game now. No one cares about hard work. Everyone just wants to make it seem like they did the hard work. And yeah, I, that's what I blame the social media on. Everyone feels like it's it's easy, and that's why you get a lot of people who are, you know, I guess you could say they're depressed because they didn't mm-hmm. live up to what they expected and what they got on social media. Now it's just it's just. It also keeps people in that that hamster wheel that we were talking about earlier, just like how it's just constantly thinking like, oh, I got I got to impress people that they don't give a fuck about. You know, like (laughs) why? Why are you so focused on trying to impress someone you don't give a fuck about or who doesn't give a fuck about you? But everyone's seeking this instant validation online. And that's why the mentalities are different now, because like I said, it's social media trying to trick you thinking you're not successful if no one's following you or liking your shit. Guilty. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a it's, clout generation too. Like, mm-hmm. you know what yeah. I mean? It's not. But it's also just human nature is that way, unfortunately. And, mm-hmm. and that was actually why my the very first highlight I ever put together, I put in the first five minutes was just me getting the shit beat out of me because <laughs> that's that's the way that I viewed it as well. It's like people, anyone can look good if you show the highlights of your life, mm-hmm. you know. But that doesn't give people a very realistic view of what it takes Mm -hmm. you know and so for me that's what i always wanted to do just being being more vocal um about about all these 
difficulties and failures and losses mm-hmm. and like this shit is fucking hard but it also shows people that they can do it too because just because you fail or just because you get beat up or just because you don't look good in a moment everybody goes through that the only way to be successful is to fail failure mm-hmm. paves the road mm-hmm. to success no matter what it is nobody can just be handed success and nobody is successful that hasn't had a failure. It's impossible. And everyone that is successful has had more failures and more losses and more bad times than you could ever fucking imagine. The problem is you just don't hear about it or see it. And so I've always been encouraged to try to uh, be vocal about those kinds of things and talk about those kinds of things Mm -hmm. because we put all these people up on pedestals, but they're just human beings like anybody else. Exactly, And And if people understood that, they would realize that they could do it too. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. that's not very prevalent. We think that people who make it were born with something different. They they had something different. They were given something different. Chosen one. (laughs) Yes, sometimes that's the case, of course. But very rarely is a successful person ever just handed it. To them. And riff, right. riffing on that, man, I think I think including myself, people find a lot more inspiration from adversity instead of all these like positive, inspirational yeah. quotes. It seems hard to reach, you know. You know. Yeah. 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 I like, mean, there's a there's a there's a time and a place for kind of those quick, you know, when you get knocked down, get up. Like just those <laughs> just those motivational things and yeah, highlight videos are great and stuff like it. I'm gonna watch this when I get up in the morning. I'm like, yeah, that's gonna help me feel a little bit more. Yeah, that's good, but that's that's temporary temporary. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be driven by more than that. If it takes you that to wanna get up every day, then inevitably that's gonna come crashing down. You know, you have to be driven by much more than this surface level appearance of success and, and prosperity because it's it's so much more difficult than that and, and as you said before about people being depressed and stuff that's why they do get depressed because they don't they're they building themselves up on this empty thing they think this is what's important meanwhile all the stuff they should be building is getting driven down to the ground and exactly. it, eventually they get there even if they do make to the top they get up there and realize it's there's nothing up here <laughs> it's it's a very empty place it's a very temporary mm-hmm. uh thing you know it's like the journey is where that is the destination the destination mm-hmm. is just this little piece like you think once you get there things are gonna change like oh as soon as i win this fight everything's gonna be different and then mm-hmm. two seconds later you're the exact same person nothing's different it's all the same it's all about uh the journey it's all about the path it's all about the process it we use these things to drive us but they shouldn't be this end all be all factor as if once you get there, things are going to change. It's like, if you're not happy with $10, you're not going to be happy with 10 million. You think mm-hmm. you will be, it might change a few things, but we also f- fail to realize that, like that stuff comes with that as well. With anything that comes with a good thing, a bad thing comes with it. It's right. not yeah. just good. <laughs> it's not just, it's oh, I get money. Oh, yeah. I, I get this. I get, it's like, Oh, I wish I was in the spotlight. I wish, I wish when I fought all these people watching me, like, yeah, you do. Do you know what that comes with? Do you know mm-hmm. what that costs? You fucking mm-hmm. don't. You think, you think that it just comes with um, lollipops and rainbows, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's just so great. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the more that we can uh, articulate the 
the spectrum of all these aspects of life, the, the better we'll all be because the more understanding we'll have about it all and what it all really is. We know a little bit about your backstory and some of the tragedy that you went through. Before I, before we go to that, I just want to say like, it reminds me of that quote, new level, new devils, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> wherever it doesn't end, you know what I mean? Right. Right. If, if anything, the there devils no get a little smarter and a little trickier, yeah. but yep. you're, you've evolved. So you're more equipped to handle that kind of foe. Yeah. Should be at least. <laughs> and there's always it's adversity. An, with it's, an unend- it's an unending process. <laughs> you're never, mm-hmm. you're never there. Uh-huh. There's not a place you reach to. I, I try to uh, express it all like when I talk about balance. Like you can't have balance because balance is movement. You're mm-hmm. never balanced. You're never stationary. It's always moving. You're always hopping over this line. Too much and too little. Too much and too little. Too much and too little. You can't just build one without building the other as well. Mm-hmm. There has to be a balance of of of, of ne- negativity and positivity of of every strength comes also comes with another weakness that you have to build more strength on. And then there's more weakness. And uh, as I said, that we're so fixated on this one aspect of it. That's why people get there and they're just destroyed. Their, their whole life is destroyed, even though they built up this one little thing. I think it's also people are, are so afraid of hard work that it's something that they just want to get over and get to the, paradise you know to the skip, finish skip, line skip to the end <laughs> yeah and i read end. your um i read your blog about every time you finish something you think about what's next you know you don't really you don't really take time to sulk and celebrate you know and you yeah. you, you mentioned maybe when i'm all done with it i'll get to that <laughs> which is badass man but yeah like that's almost that almost summarizes fall in love with the process right yeah yeah sure. so and i think I was um we were talking about what motivates you in a, in a, in a previous podcast. Uh, I said there's one there's a few things that get pe- that gets people going. It's either they're running away from something or they're running towards something. You know, yeah, it's pl- uh, pleasure or pain. Those are the right. only two driving factors of life. And, and then it's the people that are just in love with running. They're like, damn, this fucker just keeps going. You know? Yeah. So yeah, falling in love with the process. I feel like is. Yeah. Is, once I once I fell in love with and understood that aspect of like training and everything. Cause I used to just dread, dread training. I'm like, I just want to get to the fight, man. I want to mm-hmm. get to the fight. And then one day that really clicked in my head. I was like, you spend all this time dreading 99% of what you do. <laughs> and then that 1% is what? 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like you better start to enjoy the shitty stuff and the uncomfortable stuff. And it doesn't mean you have to like it, but you got to understand this is what gets you there. And the more that you can enjoy this or the more that you can understand that it's part of the process, the more you can um, benefit from it because you're, you're going to be more motivated to do it. It's not, Oh, I got to get up. Like, Oh, I get to, I get to get up today. One, I'm alive. That's fucking pretty great. Mm -hmm. I get to do this thing. That's going to help me get to that other thing that I really, really love to do. So that's pretty fucking awesome too. So you know, and that just that click, it mm-hmm. clicked in my head one day. And from that point forward, I never dreaded getting up ever again for anything. It reminds me of like waiting in line in Disneyland. It's like you fucking wait <laughs> two hours just hating it and you're there for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then you get to another one. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So uh, exercise, guys. Try to enjoy the light, the, the wait yeah. in the line. 
you know, <laughs> it'll, this it'll, is, this it'll translate and bleed out in the other aspects of life. Hopefully, this is what this is what gets you to where you want to go. So learn to at least uh, accept it, not hate it. Mm-hmm. Do you like running? Do I like? <laughs> no, I fucking hate running. <laughs> I hate running so much. Um, but I actually I like running when it's like for running for a fight. Like you have to. I have to run to do this. Hell yeah. I like running when I don't have a fight and I can, I like, I want to go out and go for a run. But when it's like, I got to get these miles in this many miles a week. Yeah. I don't, I don't like running at all. You but and then again, it's like, I would rather do that than like, you have to make up for that somehow. You mm-hmm. got to do, it's not like you don't have to fucking run. You can ride a bike. You can, you can hit the bag nonstop for an hour straight. Like there's a lot of things you can do. Like there's a lot of fight. Like Ramon Deckers, he fucking never run. Damian Trainer, he never fucking ran. But they, you have to do something to make up for that cardio that you need and that 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 uh, sustained level of of output. You know, so whatever it is, you have to do it. And I, for me, like running is like all right. This is pretty easy and mindless, and I don't even really have to think about it much. And so that's why I'd I'd rather run than do anything else. I'd rather run than be tired in a fight straight up. Yeah. Yeah. That was always a motivational thing. For me. I never, I will refuse to be that fucking guy. I will never let someone outwork me. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just, again, I, I took the decision and the emotion out of it. It wasn't like, I would prefer right. not to do it, but yeah, I'm going to fucking do this every day. Kevin, I, I saw a competition. It was like the U.S. versus uh, ties, and it was you, Romy, and Joe Schilling. And I saw yeah. a picture of Romy and Joe just smoking cigarettes, man. <laughs> How do they do that, bro? Uh, Kyle's an amateur tie fighter who can't kick the cigs, so he's, yeah. he's trying well, to now, find the way. Now I'm on the I don't know. They're, they're, uh, the they're both anomalies when it comes to that because <laughs> both crazy. of them – yeah, both of them have stated that when they've quit, their cardio got worse. So I don't know. <laughs> how they, I don't know how they do it, <laughs> but uh, they do. Um, they always their bodies have. adapted. <laughs> when I actually, when I fought Romy after our weigh-ins, he was outside smoking. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> what's wrong with this guy? But yeah, I've known both those guys for like 20 years, and they always have. That's he used to come in the gym smelling like Marlboro Lights, and I'm like, Coach, are you gonna stop? <laughs> like, what? You're He's like, Are you? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like we we can get used to just about anything. Like you you adapt to it, but Joe Joe hasn't doesn't exactly have the best cardio. <laughs> really, <laughs> Romy on the other hand, he's like Romy is somebody that like when we fought, he came out the fifth round. I'm like, oh fuck, dude, this motherfucker is just like ready to go, and I was dying because I'd cut so much weight. And um, but yeah, it's like Joe's Joe's cardio. He's not the best cardio person, but uh, you know. Uh, he, I'm sure it's worse when he doesn't smoke. So I don't know. I don't know how to do it. It's <laughs> wild, dude. It's funny. They're weirdos. They're just weird. yeah. Don't, don't not, do not copy them. <laughs> I tried, you know, because I'm Filipino. He's Filipino. Like, Let's see if it works for me. And oh, no, yeah. man, I was getting kicked in the stomach, and I was like, "That's uh, probably where you feel it." Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't yeah. do it. I. It's like fighting's hard enough. I'm trying to make everything as as easy as humanly possible. The shark tank. The shark tank was the worst for me, man. Getting those yeah. fresh guys every like two minutes. Ugh. Mm-hmm. 
your hands down to your waist. You think yeah. they're up. <laughs> Wild, man. So um, we, we talked about during the face-off and the weigh-ins, you kind of see certain fighters breaking, right? You kind of yep. can tell whether they're losing. Um, so would you say that the weigh-ins and the face-off is like the fight before the fight? Or do you oh, think there's some anomalies where people are just, you know, like foreigners that aren't really used to that kind of interaction that are yeah. kind of – yeah, well, yeah, because there's more there's more factors that can't play into it than whether that's the fight before the fight. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. It's it it really depends who it is, where it is, how it is. There's a lot of factors that go into that. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, weigh-ins in Thailand is just like not nothing. <laughs> you know, you weigh in, <laughs> that's it. There's no there's no like big production out of it. There's no you know it, that's mm -hmm. something that really became prevalent with boxing for sure. Then MMA definitely made it even worse. Uh, <laughs> and then it, it did become this prevalent, like emotional, you know, WWE weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it kind of just depends and it just depends on, on the person who, you know, like that was something I used to, uh, me and Joe had this talk one time and, or several times I'm like, why are you such a fucking asshole, man? I'm like, why are you such a dick all the time? And uh, <laughs> he actually, he started just, like being nicer to people all of a sudden. I'm like, don't, don't, don't do that. I was like, <laughs> I was like, just, I don't know why you feel like you, you need, like you're expected to be this dick. I'm like, if you don't like the guy, don't like the guy. But when you feel like you're supposed to do that, that's mm -hmm. where I think it's bad. I'm like, the world needs people to, be who they are. We need mm -hmm. that. We need the whole spectrum of, of personality types, of 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 styles, of colors, of flavors. We need we need it. we want all of it. As, as soon as we start to feel like I need to be that way because that's how you have you're supposed to be to be successful. That's that's where we get into trouble. You know, the guy the guy in the mask in the top left hand corner is a dick. He is a dick. <laughs> But we can't love tell him. though. <laughs> you can't tell. We we both lost our last fights at IFS. It was it was a it was tough to deal with. But yeah, you know how do you deal with loss, man? You know how, how do you, you deal with it? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about like I, I mean it's universally. I feel like every time after a fighter loses, there's that day, maybe day or two period where you feel like everyone's oh, you know you kind of have that oh I bet everybody saw me get fucked up. Um, you kind of have that low phase. Is that necessary? Like, does that push you or is that just something you have to get over? Um, well, one, I would say it's necessary to feel whatever it is that you feel, mm -hmm. whatever that can be good, good or bad. I th mm. think the problem lies in when we try to fight against it as if it's not supposed to happen. You know, it's mm. like, yeah, you fucking lost. Like, you shouldn't be happy about it. <laughs> yeah. But there is also a point when you have a choice to make. What do I do with it from here on out? So I think it's I think it's very important to just sit with those feelings for a minute. Like, give yourself a day to just feel whatever you're going to feel about it. Good, bad, indifferent. It doesn't matter. Don't feel like you're supposed to feel one way or the other about it. And that's with wins as well. Mm. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. 
you, it's like, just like you can win and have a really shitty performance or, or lose and have a really amazing performance. Just kind of sit with those feelings. Um, and then you, you got to move past them. So it, it, it feelings, I would say feelings are meant to be felt. You're supposed to feel them. Mm. You're just not supposed to get stuck in them. It's like when, mm. when you have a loss, when somebody dies, it's not like, oh, well, that's just the fucking way it is. And like, <laughs> you know, <get laughs> out of here. But uh, it's when we get stuck in those feelings is, is where it's a, a problem. Um, and, and they can be extremely, uh, motivational and beneficial if you use them correctly the good and the bad Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just again not not getting stuck in them we we get so stuck in that victim mentality like oh it's just you know it's poor me and this happened and and it's a and and that happens just just in our lives in general we get stuck in that mentality that victim mindset like you don't have a choice you you don't have a choice to change what happened you have a choice what you do with it that's it so Mm -hmm. what are you gonna do with it what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? That's, that's always the question. What are you going to do about it? And uh, yeah, so that was it. But y'all, you also do want to have find that balance of not caring. <laughs> you don't want right. to not care. So there it's, it's a, it's a balance between not caring and also using caring and using that to get better. How can I take this thing that happened and be better for it? Because those are the only, you can either be better or you can be worse. And I don't want to be worse, even if it's a, whether it's a win or a loss, I don't want to be worse. I want to be better right. because of this, um, or at least neutralize it and even out where I'm at. So yeah, realize that you have a decision and you do have a choice to make. That's it. It's I love that you. because yeah, um, the choice, because if, if you look at the long term that loss is going to build you up in the future. But if you kind of narrow tunnel vision, it, that loss could be magnified. You get into a, a depression state for a while, you know, you don't see past it, but yeah. I mean, personally for me, I, I was a boxer. I, I didn't know. I didn't train Muay Thai, took an amateur Muay Thai fight. And I fought in a boxing stance, man. So my calf oh, got shit. fucked up. Oh, so after that, I respected Muay Thai. Well, I, not respecting Muay Thai. I learned the square stance. I can't be bladed stance on Muay Thai yeah, yeah. ever again. Yeah. Yeah. So already, like, I, I see my losses as, you know, to take it, like, in the comic book world, like, Infinity Stones, where I learned a lot from it, you know? Uh-huh. Infinity Stones. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as, I, as I said uh, earlier, if you, if you don't progress from that loss, you're losing twice. Mm. Yes. The second yes, loss, the second loss is one you have 100% control over. The first one you don't necessarily. It already happened. Regard, even if you did, you don't anymore. So you're either going to lose again by not getting better from it, or you're going to use this to strengthen yourself, to get smarter, to get better, to learn from your mistakes, to not do it again, uh, and, and understand that you you gained more knowledge, even in a loss, you have more experience. Mm-hmm. There is, there isn't necessarily a loss at wins or lo- losing. There's experience. That's it. What do you do with that experience? How do you use it? How do you um, benefit from it? That's, that's all it comes down to. And especially when you're talking about fighting or even day-to-day life, it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Every, everything that happens is, is in the moment, but it's the, uh, full spectrum of that path mm-hmm. in the end that you 
that you get to judge. Like, was this a good life? Was this a good career? Was this a good whatever? That's just a moment in it, you know, and did I use that moment to get better or get worse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jermaine, you were going to say something? Oh, yeah. I was just talking about, like, just going off of how, you know, everyone's kind of not going past, like, because it's kind of like I've been seeing lately, it's normalizing how um, it's okay to be bad. And people are always saying, like, it's okay that you didn't succeed as long as you're trying. And it's kind of like, like, you know, like, and now you got these sports with participation trophies as if it's like saying it's okay to be mediocre. And it's kind of instilling that mindset in these new generations. Like, it's okay. I tried and yeah. well, that's that's that yeah that's the that's the spectrum that we talk about it it isn't mm-hmm. one or the other and mm-hmm. if you it's under you got to understand what they both are yeah it's important that you try but yeah. but that's not all of it exactly. you know there's more to it than that you don't mm-hmm. you don't want to be complacent you don't want to say oh i well i showed up so that's all i had to do because i'm going to get this like mm-hmm. is that really how you want to live your life and maybe it is and i can't tell you what's right or wrong in that. Yeah. You got to decide that because you're the only one that really gets to judge uh, what's good and bad. Yeah. For me, when people say, Oh, at least you went and fought, you know, it's just, to me, it's like, nah, I kind of want that. I want that back. And I mean, you, how you take losses, I feel like you, you would take a loss as a challenge. Um, Do you have that itch to kind of want to rematch and try to get that L back, you know? Um, Sometimes, or you um, just go past and you're you're on to the next. Sometimes it, it kind of depends on what the what the loss was and mm. how. Like, there's very few that I'm like, oh man, I really wish I could do that one again or, or fight him again because most of the time that's because something happened leading up to it or day of, like maybe oh, okay. maybe a sickness or. Um, I, anything. I mean, there's a lot of factors. Like, uh, like when I fought Sackadow, I did a fucking just dumb ass brain dead uh, weight cut, and it was just stupid. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, I, I know that played a giant role. Now, whether or not that would have ended uh, differently, mm-hmm. no one can say that. Uh, but for myself, I'm like, yeah, that was dumb. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wish I would have done that. And I felt like that was the thing that really took me downhill in the fight was a lot of that. So it's more along those lines than just Mm. a a loss. Like, like my fight with Sancho, I'm like, dude, I fucking, I don't, I don't even look at that as uh, like something like, Oh, I want to redo that one. And I could have done better. I couldn't have, don't think I could have done any. And I don't think I could have done anything. Perfect game plan, man. That's how you fight Sancho. It was, uh, there was very, very few things I could point to be like, this could have been a little bit different or that. I, yeah. I mean, you can, obviously you can always say that, but as far as how that went and everything, I, I don't think I could have gone any, any better. And, and actually for myself, I'm glad that the judges didn't give it to me. Cause if they had, <laughs> I can only imagine the type of shit people would <laughs> say. I mean, it's bad enough now. Yeah. Know, but what was the most difficult part about fighting him? His footwork is different. You know, you're more of like a traditional style pressure uh, fighter moving forward. He's the hardest around. part about fighting him is never know. You can't, you can't, he's so hard to read what hmm. he's doing. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's such a big thing in, as you progress in, in your technique is the ability to make everything look 
the same. It's like my my cross looks like my right knee looks like my right kick looks like my right elbow and and how you can incorporate all those things into into making it almost impossible to read and the adjustments you can make on the fly. Um, Yeah, just all that is is, it's so it's at such a high level that you can't even can't even conceive it. (laughs) Right. Crazy. Do you have a, uh, what are your favorite, what are your favorite fights of yours? Uh, that one, Tomahawk, uh, Chike Lindsay, Malapet. Um, Chike Lindsay is a big dude. Fucking huge. <laughs> huge so, man. What in the <laughs> world? You're telling me I'm fucking like, yeah. So <laughs> he, had, he had actually fought, he fought Chaz before me. Um, and I normally fight at 140. Uh, they fought what? at 150. 50 160 maybe jeez uh, yeah and then uh, we actually fought at we kept, we fought at uh, a catch rate at 147 yeah 47 he looks like a light heavyweight man like he looks like he walks he's like 200 he's like he's the he and he has such a strange build his torso is like this short <laughs> and he's got these super long legs that are kind of skinny. So he's just jacked up top and he's enormous. I mean, he's just, he's big, he's a big fucking dude. And I remember <laughs> when I was getting ready for it, you know, Chaz kind of was like, yeah, when he like getting the clinch and stuff, he's, he's like, he's fucking super strong. And he like kept getting around to my back and I'm like, I'm like, all right, all right, all right. And so he like, he said this and then, the first round we were fighting and we clinched up, I immediately started feeling him get, I'm like, if I let him get my fucking back right now, I'm like never going to hear the fucking end of this. So <laughs> and I was like, there's no way, no matter, even if I lose, I'm not letting him get to around my back. How is his power? Dude, that motherfucker is strong and fast. He's, he's so fast. That's what's, uh, that's what's rare. Like most guys that are, like I was very, very rarely with somebody, even my own size, faster than me, but definitely not bigger. And he, he was, he was fast, man. He was really fast, really sharp, really sharp in the way, in, the, in just the way that he puts things together. Um, very, he's very Thai in the way that you know, like Thai's kind of fight in a way where it's singular things put together in combination, not combination. Mm, right. You know, it, it is a combination it, technically, but. It's just single. It's like a fast, like fast single attacks. Yeah, fast mm-hmm. and powerful, and that's that's how he fight. But he he also came up under ties as well. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, he's big. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's big. But yeah, the biggest thing was when we'd clinch. I just his weight. I was like, "Fuck, dude, you're fucking like huge." And that was in his chest. When I see him now, I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> I don't know what. I, I've always had that weird, like, small dog mentality. Like, I think I'm bigger or as big as everybody. Like, I fought this one dude that was 175. His name's uh, Mark Holst. Um, <laughs> I thought we were like – I was like, oh, yeah, you're probably a little bit bigger than me. I mean, I was I was 140. <laughs> he was 175. And uh, th- I, then when I saw a photo of us, he's like – <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> I look like his little brother. <laughs> yeah, but but I also the, I came up. The only people I had to like, Chaz was the smallest guy I had to spar with, the smallest. Mm. So, I mean, that'll give you an idea of just kind of the way that I came up and the mentality that I had was, I'm never going to let anybody push me around. You know, it was like I always had to be that 
smaller guy uh, fighting these giants. So I was never intimidated by anybody. Chaz was lion fight, right? Yeah, yeah, he fought okay. lion fight. Um, he okay. well, he fought all, he had to fall over just just like I did, but yeah, he had a couple in lion fight. How was it? Your your mentality of, of fighting did that have to change when you became champion? Yeah, and I fucking hated it. Like, I, yeah, I was it a lot of? I, don't I, mean, like I, hear, I, I figure it's a lot of pressure as champ. Yeah, I don't like to be the champion. I don't like to be the person. I never, I never thought you were myself. champion of a lot of divisions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but fortunately, a lot of those happened prior to uh, you know the world shrinking, so it wasn't. Mm. I never really thought about it. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't even, in, it wasn't until lion fight that I even started recognizing the fact that I'm this person in the sport. Like people view me this way. I never mm-hmm. viewed my, I still don't view myself that way, mm-hmm. but it, that was the point that I couldn't pretend anymore. You know, I, I always mm-hmm. just, you know, passed it off. Like, yeah, wait, I don't, you know, people, obviously people are going to look at me a certain way, but mm-hmm. then it, then it became a point when I just couldn't ignore it any longer. And yeah, it was really tricky for me because I don't, I don't want to be that person. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. like to be that person. And I, but I also understood that it's another aspect of the game and it's another point that you have to either strengthen or weaken yourself. So it, it, it did become another aspect of the game that I had to incorporate and, think about uh and it was just part of it i yeah i'd I'd rather fight in backyards and fucking gyms <laughs> no one knows about it was it more so the uh the fact that obviously everybody in the league or the division is studying you or is it like i don't know i've heard that sometimes as a champion you get boxed in because you're the you're the guy um, yeah i think representing I think, the brand you know yeah yeah both those things hmm. it's more yeah, you're kind of put in this place as like you're that guy that everyone's trying to get to. I mm-hmm. and I was so used to being the guy trying to get to right. other people. Um mm-hmm. and it's like I don't know how to I don't want to be this guy. <laughs> I don't want to be this fucking guy. It's like I want to win the belt and I don't want to go chuck it in the fucking garbage. <laughs> because I don't I don't want it. It's just to me it's they're kind of insignificant, but I also understand it's like, hey, this is part of the part of the game you know and mm-hmm. if you can't use it in a positive way then yeah i try not to think about it too much um man I, yeah i don't uh i had a, I had a hard time with it i don't i don't, I don't like it mm-hmm. interesting heavy is the head that wears the crown right very heavy very that's heavy. crazy it's just fucking annoying uh-huh <laughs> like i because i again i don't i don't feel any different than like i feel like we're all on the same journey no one's any different than anybody else because I I view just like I view martial arts. There is no end. There is no final place to get to where it's a, it's an unending journey that you're on in progression and ability level. And yeah, certain people are farther along in that journey, but in the infinite spectrum of things where you are all at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad. I mean, like martial arts back then used to be, sort of fused with spirituality a little bit yeah. right yeah and now, that's, that's now it's, it's so saying. far gone man <laughs> yeah but I, that that is the way that it was that's the way it came up and that's that's just the way that i am as a as a human being i i that's the mentality that i have um, mm-hmm. 
I uh, and I that's why I don't really like rankings and belts and I think that's all I mean all that's so subjective anyway and there's so many factors that play into that it's all fucking bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of it's fucking bullshit anyway so um yeah but again it's just like you know it's like you also want this sport to grow and you want people to know about it because it's beautiful and we love it but um there's good and bad that comes with popularity so i was always always conflicted about whether or not i wanted to see the sport grow because it's like yeah of course i want there to be more fights more opportunities i want people to be able to make some kind of money in this but at the same time you know what that comes with right so it's not just oh it'd be great if the sports was more popular yeah there's aspects that would be great there's also some fucking awful aspects of it too and you got to be willing to take both so um that's just i mean that's just life in general though you know that's the way it is perfect segue because um i want to talk about the current landscape of martial arts right now i was talking to a a jujitsu coach previously on the podcast and i asked him about um what he felt about you know Everybody coming in the gym after the Conor McGregor's. Everybody coming in the gym after, you know, Jake Paul and stuff. Oh, God. Uh, gorilla tattoos. You know, it's obvious you came over here because of Conor McGregor um, talking shit, fighting like a karate stance and shit. Um, I asked him how he felt about that. He says, you know, it is kind of cringy, but as a person who advocates for martial arts, um, it brings people to the gym. Like I'm getting like 10 year olds coming in. Whether or not they're coming in for Conor McGregor, they're in the gym yeah. like every week, yeah. you know, which is kind of the balance. But yeah, like you said, putting trying to put on for Muay Thai, you're aware of the backlash of of uh, expanding the sport. Yeah, there's, there's going to be some cringe aspects. There's going to be the the WWE aspect to try to sell it because whenever anything grows, corporations latch on, right? Of course. Yeah. So um. What do you what do you feel about that? Is there like a happy medium you want Muay Thai to grow, or is it fuck it? As long as a lot of people get into Muay Thai, it it, it is what it is. Uh, yeah. Well, I think you know I've, I've I tend to view things as we often have the same uh, the same percentage of people involved in a sport, regardless of the amount of people that are in the sport. So no matter how popular it gets. You're always going to have this amount of people that are in it for um, the art of it, uh, you know, the fight of it, the, the right reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. or And they're going to have this amount of people that are in it just for the way that they look, um, the um, how people view them. And, and then you're going to have everybody that's kind of in between. So that percentage of people is just that's just human nature. You can you can take that across any board that you want. It, it doesn't matter how many they are there are so there could be a thousand people or there could be 10 people in that 10 people there'd be two people that are doing it for this two people are doing it for that and then six people that are doing it for this or it's 60 percent and 20 percent 20 percent the amount of people is insignificant it's just it's just bigger now but that also means there's more people that are doing it for maybe the same reasons that you're doing it mm. that's kind of how i view when things do get popular and that, and yeah, there's going to be that kind of flow of uh, it just becoming a, uh, a uh, like this popular thing for a moment, like a fad kind of thing. Mm. You know, there's always going to, that's going to pop up from time to time, but that that's temporary. And it's, I mean, this is all about longevity and the, the, mm. the time in, you know, it's so, 
yeah, I, I can be, uh, it can be, uh, conf- conflicted about it, but, <laughs> but I, I do tend to view it. I try to view it in that kind of way that as we were talking about earlier, it's like, if you, if you, anytime you're making something good, better or more, the bad comes with it. There's bad mm-hmm. when it's small too. That's going to get bigger when there's more people involved. There's just more of it. It's more obvious. It's like when you look when you look at the world today, you be like, oh, it's just like, oh, this fucking shit's going on. They're like, yeah, you kind of just think that though. But there's also look how many more people are in the world today. Look how uh, how small the world is today. There's all these factors that go into it. Like you think the world was all just <laughs> great a fucking hundred years ago, and everyone right. was loving each other, and there wasn't the same things that are happening right now. It. it human nature doesn't change ever. It's never changed since the beginning of time. So I don't know why we always think that it will, or that it's somehow it's different now than it was. It's fucking not. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like that thing we said, new level, new devils. There's yeah. new stage and there's new enemies. That's just, um, that's the way it is. Also uh, the fact that there's a lot more prevalent Muay Thai names, they're kind of highlighted in, in the, in the martial arts scene right now. Like, uh, like Raphael Faziv, um, who else? The other ones, uh, Volkanovsky, Volkanovsky, Tiger oh, yeah, Tiger Muay Thai, uh, Peter Yan, uh, and then also in one, like Rod Tang's doing his thing, and Haggerty's doing his thing. Oh, Haggerty's um, is something else, bro. Haggerty's right. is something else. I would, I would kind of give you the credit for that, man, because you were the pioneer. Um, and when you see stuff like that, is it more rewarding? Like, yeah, this is, this is why I did it. Not that that stuff we were talking about. <laughs> uh, well, no, when I like, obviously thank you for saying that, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I would say like, we're all, we're all pioneers. I'm, I was just a visible person at the time. There was who I consider pioneers were the people before me really mm-hmm. fucking put in the, put in the work and, and, and allowed me to be be where i got to but yeah as i said earlier i'm i am kind of conflicted by it i'm it's awesome to watch those guys and see them in the spotlight and see them you know doing doing big things and and getting the uh uh you know financial rewards from it Mm. and getting the popularity it's 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 great to see um but there's always there's always the good and the bad that come with it. So you, you kind of just take it and take it in stride. It's the, uh, I, 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 it's, I'm, I always feel like I'm just, I'm an, I'm an observer as of the mm-hmm. world as it's happening as even though I'm, I'm a part of it, you know, you're just kind of watching the, watching the freak show happen and <laughs> you, you kind of know where this all goes inevitably. And it's probably not somewhere positive, but maybe, <laughs> We might we might luck out and turn things around, but probably not. It's not looking good, <laughs> Kevin. I wanted to riff off of uh, what Jerizi said about you know all the all the trash talking that goes on in the UFC. I watched the video. I, I know you were under CSA and and, and Kyrian for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, he mentioned something in that interview where he he called you you know a traditional Thai fighter who doesn't talk. A bunch of crap and you just you know put in the work and i found that refreshing man because in this day and age you know everybody's training now ufc is you know mm-hmm. making martial arts you know mainstream but yeah. when i when i heard Kyrian talk about your style you're a traditional tie fighter you don't talk smack um and and you've maintained that kind of mentality it's uh it's very inspirational man 
It's very inspirational. So it does it talking in the ring, man. It's so yeah, obvious. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's beautiful, man. Thank you. So I want to give you your flowers, bro. <laughs> that's uh that's that's just the way that I am naturally that way, kind of quiet, uh, soft spoken, not not brash and loud and egocentric. But as, as I came up, I really got to see kind of both those asp- extreme aspects of personality types and really just really got turned off by people who are on the other end of the spectrum. So I Colby really, Covington. <laughs> yeah so it's like i i i definitely think there's i think there's a place for, i i don't like it but i think that it's needed because all i think all personality types are needed i don't like that it's mm-hmm. kind of promoted and people think that that's how they should be yeah uh, if that like i said with like joe and everything like if that's how you are like i don't want you to be different i don't think <laughs> I don't think everyone needs to be this humble, soft-spoken person. That would be a boring fucking world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That's what I'm trying to tell him, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I I just am that way normally. Um, and as I said, I throughout life just became more encouraged to be that way as well. You know, when I was coming up, there was a guy who's very similar very soft spoken, even more quiet than, than me. But man, this motherfucker was just like a complete animal in the ring. And you know, I, it, it showed me, I'm like, you don't have to be this person on the outside to be this person on the inside. And right. that, that really encouraged me and motivated me even more so to just, just be myself and um, as well as um, be kind of that person in the, in the spotlight, like, most most people in the spotlight are the the loud the loud people, but mm-hmm. you know once in a while you do have those quiet. I mean, look at like like uh, Manny Pacquiao or guys like that, yeah. like fucking psychopaths. But he never like ran his mouth and talked shit. And he runs yeah. his mouth after the fight at the karaoke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Filipino yeah. thing, man. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so as I said, as we talked about earlier. I think I think I think we need the whole rainbow of personality types. I think there's there's a place for everyone in this yeah, world, and I love that. You just mm-hmm. kind of just kind of be you. Don't feel like you got to be I, one or the other. You know, I don't want I don't want you to feel like you should be quiet and soft spoken. I'm like I I'm more drawn to that type of mentality and lifestyle that that really old school martial arts and the the bushido and everything like. I feel that, you know, and I think, I think that's a, a better, a better thing for this world. But at the same time, you can be a, a loud spoken asshole. That's a really wonderful person too. Mm-hmm. Are you teaching at CSA? Cause I'm sure. No, man, I moved, I moved out of there fuck, like five years ago. Oh, okay. I think, yeah. I, uh, well, I moved down, to, I moved from Northern California down to Southern California in like uh, I was in San Diego and LA. That's where I spent probably the last f- four years of my career. Mm-hmm. And then, gotcha. uh, yeah, I just retired a year and a half ago. Congratulations, so, man! Thank you, thank you. It was it was a long road. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, it's hell of a story. Started late, reached the top, fought the best. Arguably, I don't know. I, I thought you did really well, man. I thought the scorecards were a little closer, but. It's a Sanchai fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So kudos, um, inspiration to, I mean, I started kind of late. I, um, 
really into martial arts growing up, boxed and like when I was in high school. But it's one of those things where my my mom's like, oh, you're never going to do that over my dead body, you know. <laughs> um, unfortunately, my mom passed away. And then so oh, I honored her word and fought after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I started late. And, you know, everyone who started late, oh, you start, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's yeah. too late, man. Maybe just do it for fitness. And, bro, all you got to say is Kevin Ross, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kevin, well, so, so I – <laughs> Sorry, man. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but this is uh, very important to me. I, I've been struggling with mental health. I survived a, a suicide attempt. I dealt with addiction and whatnot. Is there is there a message that you want to, you know, really um, emphasize to the people that are listening? Because I know, you know, based on your stories, man, you're you're an inspiration. Every, every single story that I see on Instagram, mm -hmm. I'm just like, God, this guy's about it, bro. Like it speaks <laughs> Even to me. this conversation, man. Yeah, uh -huh. man. I'm struggling. I still struggle. You know, I, I deal with, you know, prescription medications without going into too deep uh -huh. into it. Um, I'm glad to be here. I feel like I have a purpose, even though, you know, my record kind of sucks. I'm one and two right now. <laughs> um, I'm still going, but Muay Thai saved my life. And yeah. even my coach, Frankie from Spider Muay Thai, Oh yeah, Frankie. Um, yeah, man. He he says nothing but good things about you. He said that you saved yeah. his life as well, too. Yeah. Um, and you know, you, Joe, Romy got me into into training. I stopped raving, you know, it helped me get through a divorce. <laughs> um, and you know, you guys are an inspiration. Martial arts is one of the best outlets to to really get you out of you know, those bad environments away from those bad, toxic people. Um, no. Is there is there a message that you want to emphasize to everybody that's listening to all the men that are struggling? Um, but what do you want to tell us, man? Well, first off, thanks, man. I, uh, that was very uh, good to hear. Um, I mean, Muay Thai saved my life as well. So I've always felt a sense of responsibility to pass that on to other give, people. Give it to us, bro. People need it. People need it. People. So, I mean, that Muay Thai turned my entire life around because I was a fucking full-blown alcoholic, physically dependent alcoholic, alcoholic, depressed, basically trying to kill myself just the long, slow way as opposed to putting a gun to my head. But, yeah, I was just as uh, depressed and suicidal as anybody else that kind of goes through that. And... <sighs> The biggest thing for me is just never giving up as well as understanding that I have a choice to make no matter how bad things are, uh, no matter how many times I've failed, no matter how difficult it is, you do have a choice. And when I did turn my life around, I realized how much of my life I had wasted and how much of my life I had given up. And one of my best friends had passed away when I was younger and I promised him that I'd go after this dream I had of uh, doing Muay Thai. And, I, and that was um, shit, that was five years before I even started. And I realized like, I'm not supposed to be here anyway. None of us are supposed to be here anyway. It's like, what are you going to do with this time that you do have? You just keep moving forward. You refuse to give up and, and really understand that the battle never ends. And that can be kind of disheartening. So you're like, fuck, like I'm never actually going to get out of this. I'm like, no, you're never going to get out of it. Cause the higher you get, the more things are going to be. And you never get any farther away from those things that were holding you back, those addictions, uh, that depression. It's always right there on your shoulder. 
But at the same time, it's just as motivational too. It's like, it's right fucking there. I got to keep going this way because I can't even slow down or stop because it's going to overtake me. And I've, as long as I keep that in mind, I'm always headed in the right direction. It's anytime that I start to get lazy and like, oh, well, it's been this many years and I can kind of take it easy now. I'm like, no, you, unfortunately, you can't ever take it easy because every piece of life is a test and the test never ends till, till we're done breathing. So mm-hmm. you just keep keep your boat pointed in the right direction and keep moving forward and, and take it one moment at a time. You don't need to take it one day at a time or a week at a time. Take it one second at a time and you start chaining those seconds together and that's how you develop strength through anything that we do and you put that kind of mentality and mindset to it and you'll end up going in the right direction and getting farther away from the things that weren't good amen man felt that yeah awesome um before we wrap it up i want to hold you to uh, um i what's up buddy we got over here. Oh, no, no. <laughs> What's his name? That's Moonby. She's a girl. Oh, okay. This is Bobby right here. What? That's Bobby. I love Frenchies. <laughs> I got one at home, and all they do is snore all over the place. Loud. Loud. Yeah. <laughs> Dogs are special, man. They are I've never had a, I've never had a bad day with these two. <laughs> Seriously. Only when they fart, know. right? <laughs> <laughs> um. To wrap it up, I wanted to ask, and for the listeners that aren't really too um, familiar with Muay Thai, Kevin, do you have five fights to suggest to watch for a um, a person that wants to get into Muay Thai? Nightmare on Fremont. Well, the first one's Johnson on versus Sackman Cole. Um, I want to say it was their th- third or fourth fight because they fought like six times. Um, but if you look that one up, I mean, I'm sure that'll be the first one that pops up. Johnson on versus Sacramento. Uh, it was the, uh, one of the craziest fights ever. Um, one of my favorite fights of all time. Damn five. That's a lot. Let's do three. Lurdzilla. 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 Oh, I know. Pornsony versus uh, uh, Packhorn. Their first one. Hmm. That shit's fucking bananas. That's that. That's like a Gotti Ward. So is so is Johnson on versus Sacramento. Gotti Ward those are both level like, Those is are both like Gotti Ward. And then, uh, yeah, the first one was at Lumpini. Uh, I think okay. the second one was uh, a different uh, camp or a different uh, stadium. Um, the third one. Mm, let's see. One of my uh, one of my favorite more recent fighters is. Well, he's not. He doesn't. He's not from Fairtex anymore. But Cal Fairtex, all his. Uh, he won the K1 uh, Max uh, or not Max, uh, the lightweight K1 a couple of times. He, I love watching him fight because he, he's his boxing so good and so clean and crisp. Um, he, he really had that uh, that style that I really like. Even though he's he's a little more defensive than I like, uh, where I mm-hmm. like the uh, aggressive guys. But stylistically, he was someone that I really lo- love to watch. Um, which fights his, like all his fights are good. Uh, he actually had a fight with uh, you, it's not up online anymore, but he fought a uh, John Thong. They fucking that was one of the cleanest fights I've ever seen because they're both such good uh, technical boxers as well as kickers. Uh, and it was just it was just a thing of beauty. But unfortunately, it's not online anymore. I've been trying to track it down. 
How do you spell these names, man? These names are <laughs> names, spell them out for you. Yeah, uh, that's a different podcast, bro. Jong Sanan is J O N. Oh, he's spelling it. S A N A N. Jong Sanan. Okay. Sak Mong Kol is S A K M O N G Mong K O L. Sak Mong Kol. Pornsani is P O R N S A N A E. He's writing it down. I see Jerusa writing it down. <laughs> uh, that's Pornsani Sitmonchai. So his gym name is S I T M O N C H A I. That was actually the gym I trained at like five times. Right faster, bro. Right faster. <laughs> hey, man, I got so, it. <laughs> Pornsani versus Pacorn. Pacorn's P A K O R N. Pacorn, yes. And then yes. the last one is Cal K A E W. Uh, he used to be Cal Fairtex. Uh, but now it's I don't even know what gym name he fights under anymore. But if you do Fairtex, F A F A I R T E X, Cal Fairtex. Got it. I didn't know I was gonna have to spell. <laughs> yeah, that was a <laughs> that was a ball there, man. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. Well, Kevin Ross, everybody, the Soul Assassin on the Cave Podcast. Kevin Ross, thanks for coming on, man. Where can thank the people you find you? Um, you can go to my website, thesoulassassin.com. That's where I got all my gear, the books I've written, um, all my uh, merch and stuff. And then on social media is The Soul Assassin, D-A-S-O-U-L-A-S-S-A-S-S-I-N. Beautiful, Soul man. Assassin. If, if there's any way we can, you know, you know, pay it forward for you and promote you and, you know, promote your merch and whatnot, you know, let us know, man. I, I, I was really surprised that you responded. I kind of fanboyed. I was like oh. pacing, <laughs> pacing, pacing around my room like, oh, my God, bro. Dude, you were hey, shadow boxing before you came on. Yeah, bro. I was like, bro, you got to check this out, man. He responded, dude. This is unbelievable. Oh, uh, man. Just uh, just keep keep doing your thing, guys. And, uh you know, keep keep putting out the good work and the, the good word, and that's that's paying for it all I need. Amen, brother. Thanks, Thank bro. you so much. It's an honor, bro. Yes, it sir. Really Thank you, honor. guys. Thank you, brother. All right, you guys have a good one. All right, you, you too. too. Thank you for coming Thanks. on.